welcome to the Data Democracy. Presented by renowned O'Reilly author Ole Olsen Banyu. Empowered by Xenia. Make your data accessible and discoverable by anyone, anywhere, at any time. Hi everybody, you're listening to Data Democracy and I'm your host, Ole Olesen Benio, Chief Evangelist in Senea and the author of the Enterprise Data Catalog, published by O'Reilly. In this podcast, we explore what a data democracy is and we do so with knowledgeable guests. Today's guest is Chiangkai Beng. Chiangkai is a principal data consultant at ThoughtWorks based out of Germany and he's just a really fun guy, famous for singing, data management while playing the piano. If you haven't yet checked it out, I suggest you do. Not only is it hilarious and exquisite, it's also super educational. And that is exactly what I wanted to talk with Chiangkai about. His tips and tricks to communicate data in a compelling way that makes you want to learn more and more. My takeaways from my conversation with Chiangkai. First, a data leader takeaway. If your data agenda isn't getting enough attention, try communicating in surprising, perhaps even non-corporate ways. Challenge corporate communication and it may just be what you need to succeed with a complicated data agenda. Second, a data democracy takeaway. Data should be fun and approachable and making people smile and excited is something that can unlock the situation where data is just too difficult to approach. And finally, third, a personal takeaway. Chiangkai used his passion, music, to tune his career in a fun and unique direction. So don't hide your passions and don't forget them. They can take you places. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's hear what Chiangkai has to say. Hi, uh, Chiangkai. Hi, Ola. Good to be here. I'm happy to have you on, Chiangkai. This was quite a process in the making because you were uh, changing jobs and you had to make that official before we could record. So for the listeners, Chiangkai, I guess a lot of my listeners would know you already, but but for those who don't, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you based? Stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, hello, everyone. I am Chiangkai. I am currently actually the principal data consultant at uh, ThoughtWorks Europe. Um, and in that, I'm actually leading the data strategy and data governance services within ThoughtWorks Europe. Um, before that, and since you mentioned I changed jobs, I was actually working at Adidas for six years, where my last role I was um, basically leading the product data governance team, ensuring that product data, really the data behind the shoes and the t-shirts and so on, is flowing along the life cycle in the right way and of highest quality. Um, I'm based in Germany, here in the south, in Bavaria still, where both my employers now of this year basically are. Um, and yeah, I'm originally from Berlin. Um, I have worked in data also all my career, actually, already, and um, had actually studied even um, data already. So it's a pretty linear, I would say, career so far for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it is. Uh, but it's also quite impressive. I mean, I've been following you on uh, LinkedIn and YouTube for a while. It's uh, it's it's really extraordinary what you do. Um, but I guess <clears throat> are you are you? And so for for those listeners who 
happen to not have come across that part of your professional work, mm-hmm. what 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 more do you do than quote unquote just working for ThoughtWorks? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I really like to use humor and music to make data more fun and approachable. Um, I started making, I think, music videos back in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. First, really as an experiment, and my first rap song about data was called the Digital Analytics Anthem. Uh, back then, I was working at Digital Analytics, and I really wanted to kind of revert the stereotype that Digital Analytics was like that nerdy team in the um organization but more the cool team so rap was the right genre for for example to get into it um and since then i was just kept being encouraged and to create more songs and to make data more fun and entertaining as well uh, so i kept on basically creating more music videos around it um i have my piano skills from when i was very little on and my songwriting skills since my, since my teenage years and um also my uh, piano playing skills while i was studying a lot as a bar pianist, basically as a side hustle. So all that mm. came nicely together over the last years to bring my musical side to my professional side as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, personally, I am I'm not the biggest fan of of you know superficial data communication, but I really don't com- consider you in in that league. I think there is a a depth to your communication while keeping it super sweet and uh, and super fun. And I. I, I really, really love that, Chankai. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank don't you. ever, never, don't ever, never stop doing that. It's just wonderful. Absolutely. Okay, so a little bit more about uh, your current uh, work situation. I guess it's a rather big responsibility covering all of Europe. Mm-hmm. I've seen also that following you that you are at least partly remote. Yes. How, how does that work for you? Well, I mean, first of all, of course, leading the service doesn't mean I'm doing it all alone, right? Of course, there are colleagues and other uh, data um, experts in the organization where we are doing it all together. I would say the responsibility really lies within the approach of how we do uh, data strategy and data governance related projects and basically how that fits together with the rest of our services as well, right? And ThoughtWorks, I think, obviously has been really... Um, in the like in the industry now famous for the data mesh coming from one of our ex-colleagues now and um, mm-hmm. that is still of course a big thing for us here um, but yeah. altogether also uh, moving from the more implementation side to the strategic side has been a direction we really wanted to go through and i'm here to help um remotely working is an interesting one i would say um especially when you start a new job remotely right but I, my feeling is now that um, if everybody is anyway used to this remote working, then everybody makes an extra effort to make new joiners welcome anyway, no matter how far the distance is, right? So mm-hmm. I'm really lucky to say that I was really welcomed and proactively reached out to by a lot of colleagues to just make me feel part of something instead of the physical not being part of something at home to still be, you know, connect with everyone. And yeah, already made some great connections and continue to make good connections um, inside the organization. So, so far, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, that resonates a lot with me. I I experienced exactly the same thing working remotely, beginning uh, working uh, at a new job remotely uh, just a month before you joining Senea or a couple of months before you. And right. even though this, uh, even though this show isn't about me, I, it, it it very much resonates what you're saying that like being being greeted being communicated to is very very important when you are 
um, working remotely, right? It's not the same mm-hmm. thing. You, it's if, if you cr- cross each other in the office and just say hi. There's been this little contact, and even though you don't talk for the rest of the day, you know, okay, I was here, you were there, we saw each other. Sure. But yeah. like, you have to, you have to somehow translate that, right, when you're working remotely. Absolutely. Yes. But anyway, uh, it's a great, great place that you landed. I admire ThoughtWorks a lot, and um, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, data mesh coming out of ThoughtWorks um, is something. You must all be proud of, and uh, and I definitely mm-hmm. see uh, ThoughtWorks as a place uh, to um, to get stimulated. It's it's not this standard uh, consultancy um, answer you get. Uh, reaching out and and speaking to to ThoughtWorks is a little little deeper, right? And that's really really Absolutely. nice. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. um, also, I think it says it in the name, right? ThoughtWorks. And um, there's a lot of attention to thought leadership and basically being innovative in the way of um, creating concepts and also how to actually implement concepts. So I'm really glad to also bring my creative side to a company that's already very much in innovation mode. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine uh, that I can definitely understand. Okay, uh, Changai, I prepared some questions for you. Um, yes. So I wanna I wanna deep dive into that a little bit. I guess a lot of people make fun of stuff or explain fun uh, stuff in a funny way using music. But I have to say I have never seen anyone communicate uh, data and tech like you. Uh, I think you were, wow. if not if not the first, then at least. Uh, yeah maybe you were the first i don't know but you are at least very very talented in communicating data and tech in this way right singing uh playing uh instruments what what um what have the reactions been i mean what kind of reactions have you have you gotten from that yeah um i would say from my initial purpose of basically making data more understood and uh, fun it went beyond that um so much more in the positive sense for me that i'm really glad that um there's people out there that really appreciate me i think the some of the good feedback i got was that people that actually work in data governance or in data teams for example were using my music videos or uh, my memes for example to share some funny things with their teammates and really just increase a little bit the fun in the team when they had a bad day, for example, to just bring a bit more productivity into the day, right? Other mm. people actually use the way I communicate around data um, as well to make a case towards the leadership, for example, to really use like simple language and humor to actually say, this is why we need to do data governance. And a few of them actually were successful. So I'm also very grateful about that kind of feedback. Um, I think on the funny side, I would say some people told me that their kids even can sing along now to my songs <laughs> because they're playing it at home so much, which yeah. really is an honor for me because that means you have actually brought it from the work world into your personal world as well. And now you mm-hmm. have even brought your family members along <laughs> to enjoy my music. So that's really fun. Um, I think the, the whole idea is, right, that um, if you start making complex concepts more easily understood and people get why it's important as well, then you can turn these people into ambassadors for it too, right? It's not only them that actually react to it, but even better is when they use a a similar way 
of communication or even just borrow your communication to then make a case towards an even wider audience um, that even leads to decisions that have an impact. So I'm really glad that uh, my communication has this ripple effect sometimes that even leads to organizations changing or um, families having a good time, for example. Um, so yeah, I would mm. say though, just um, in closing that not all reactions were all positive, right? I think whenever you oh. do something new and you get creative, there's always probably that little, um, yeah, I would say that little quota of people that probably thinks uh, this is not cool. You're not taking it serious, for example, or um, data should not be fun. It should be much more of a serious topic that everybody should get into and learn and <laughs> read about, for example. But oh, this yeah. is like where, where rappers say haters going to hate, right? So it's yeah, really exactly. more about if I can have a positive impact and the negative impact is not actually overcoming the positive one, then I had to still have a net positive. So I'm going with a good feedback and I'll try to uh, basically consider, but not... Um, basically let it go to my mind with the negative feedback too much. Yeah, yeah, you should not let it get uh, under your skin, uh, Chiang Kai. There yeah. is this continuum, right, where you... Yeah, I never listen to Danish radio anymore. I live in Copenhagen, uh, but it's <laughs> right. just, it's not, it's not relevant for me, uh, I have to say. But I was driving yesterday and I heard this, um, heard this uh, actor saying that I wish I just wish it would only be my talent that gave me new jobs, but it is my network. It is my exposure. Uh, and I need that in order to prove how good I am. Um, it's not the other way around. Uh, and and it's a very, this was said by a very famous actor also internationally. And it struck me that this is, this is why we, so I'm getting a little off topic here, but it's just, this is why we communicate. We don't communicate to uh, irritate people, to get them annoyed. But we communicate to actually to have reach uh, and to expose uh, the best qualities within ourselves, right? And, and that sometimes stirs, I mean, that creates opposition sometimes by people that are, to be honest, not necessarily against you, but simply have negative energy inside them that needs to come out some way, right? I more see it like oh. that. Absolutely. I think uh, when people show a certain negativity or something, it says much more about them than it says about the subject of the negativity, right? And um, I think it's it's more about also seeing that when you are the subject of that negativity. So um, basically dealing with it in a more constructive way and seeing if they have a valid point and optimizing it and improving it is, is good. But also if it's really just generic complaints that is not really valid, then let it go, right? So um, it needs a healthy level of um, basically confidence as well. So the next question is is kind of tapping into that. It's getting a little more serious than I thought, but like that is not negative at all. But so so I won't call you a data influencer uh, because I don't like that term and I don't you consider you as such. Um, but calling you a data musician, then what should you do when communicating data? I love that word, data musician, by the way. So <laughs> good to call me that. Um, I think the the whole purpose while using music, right, I mentioned before, is to make it more fun and approachable. But that is an underlying scientific reason, right? Because music is known for appealing to the emotional side of people. 
uh, rather than the rational side because music is really uh, like more underlying and you have feelings towards music but you cannot always describe it right and that's how you feel that music has a different role in your life than other things for example where it's more cognitively receiving things um so in that sense, music is not too far from data storytelling, right? You try to create a narrative and some kind of tension with a solution to make a point. Um, and by using music, I do it just in a way to apply my talents to it. The real key, I think, for me is to make it fun and approachable and um, understood and memorable while not ridiculing it, though, right? So, like, it should mm -hmm. never be the case where it's just for only the sake of making fun of things. But really, there should be some kind of educational or inspirational value in there, right? Certain yeah. things, like when I talk about, for example, uh, my data musical, where I parodied Broadway musical songs uh, with a theme of data, a lot of them are sung from a point of view of a data professional, right? Like, for example, a data engineer that's <laughs> writing a code and has 525,600 um, code issues yeah. and bugs, right? That's from the Rent the Musical, obviously. Um, it relatability to it too right like you're not alone basically everybody is mm. facing similar situations and um we are all in this together right we are, are facing similar um, challenges so we can find solutions together as well and which is also why um, mostly when i also post my music videos or memes the context to it and the the text that i provide on top usually is less fun it's a bit more serious and a bit more towards certain uh, their call to action or certain insights that i have to really um only lead from the catching your attention to actually now this is what it actually means and why i did it so in a sense i think um i want to be fun but not clownish and i still want to be um taken seriously but in a fun way Let's say this yeah, way. yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think anyone who uh, listens to your music gets that. Now, there may be this small percentage that we discussed earlier on that 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 are just angry about this kind of communication. And even though they could <laughs> yeah. just s turn off the music, sure. then they yeah. choose to be angry instead. But but I think that what you have just shown here is that like the level of of, of, of thought you put into this all the refinement behind the music and uh, very happy to hear that i think uh, it's very confirming uh, to me and i think it's uh, it's it's a solid take i mean if you really want to do uh, data music then i think understanding the reality and communicating it in a persuasive funny but not clownish way is just very very uh, well you do that delicately Chunking. On that note, I also feel like, you know how as artists, so let's say for example, poets, right? They create these poems and then you have whole school classes that are there to analyze what these poems from the past meant. And you have like essays around these poems to basically analyze them almost. And um, now when I started making music, even like just data music and some of those parodies, I, I had my own intentions that I didn't fully reveal because some of them are just my thoughts in the back. But I realized how people, when they wrote me good feedback about it, actually interpreted something completely else in there that was also very mm. good, but I never thought about. It was just like they extrapolated from my music to a whole different thing about data that I was very, um, yeah, it was very entertaining to me that people did that. But this is how you realize, right? With art, it's all about the interpretation too, right? And mm -hmm. you can interpret it as much as you want. There's really not a lot of right and wrong because I couldn't say that the point of uh, the pe people who 
talked to me had wrong points, right? They had valid points. It was just my music that caused them to think about it that way. So yeah, it's really fun to also see the art side, let's say, of making these kind of videos. Yes, yes, of course, of course. That must be very, very fun. And it's a privilege that I don't have with my books. I mean, people do interpret my books in ways that I didn't foresee. Then we are into these uh, like small, small groups of, of, of haters. Uh, I also have my haters, Chianka. <laughs> I don't have yeah, a lot. I'm I don't sure have they a exist. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, you can you yeah. can hate everything in the world if you want. <laughs> exactly. <not? laughs> There's always somebody who just wants to say no because yeah. they have to say no, right? Ex exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so in my case, it's obviously that people are, are, are telling my book that my book is not about what my book is about. Stuff like that. Anyway. Oh, wow, was, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but it is. I don't want to. It's not. It's not a big problem. But it, but it happens from time to time. And and when it happens, I just go, wow. I mean, <laughs> why use your spare time like that? But uh, anyway, that happens. So I know your feeling, and I guess with the exposure you have, uh, I, I I guess that 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 takes a little more space for you, unfortunately. Okay. So, but moving into the more so. Um, Moving into the boring elements of data a little bit, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts, Jankai, on the on this eternal clash between compliance and innovation with data? Where do you stand on that? Being in in yes. data governance, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and although it's, I shouldn't be biased, I think it's still going to be a partly biased answer. Because I have to admit that without regulations, data governance would be a much harder job to do. <laughs> it's yeah, because yeah. of the regulations that data governance can be pushed into organizations and make it effective. And then based on regulatory pressure, you can also make other things happen that are not based on regulations. But it definitely became a vehicle. But I would say that um, I usually think about innovation as like this wild plant, right? Or this uh, wild tree that is growing in all directions. And regulations are there, so the tree is not growing somewhere it shouldn't grow into, right? Like where it doesn't destroy, hopefully, some buildings or they destroy windows or something. There are guardrails there to make sure that it's growing in the right direction. And the thing is that as human beings, we, although we all say we want to do good things, sometimes consciously or unconsciously, we are still doing bad things with it because we didn't think through all the consequences. And that's mm. where regulations are kicking in, right? Um, and I always try to tell myself that regulations are there to support the good things, right? And that we don't do wrong things for humanity. While I can understand that over-regulating things, of course, is a big um, problem to innovate and uh, also in terms of speed to do this. I would say that um, with the right, um, I would say anticipation, right? And transparency on regulations and knowing what kind of regulations are coming soon and in what direction they're going. We try, We should actually, from a data governance and data management point of view, um, have the right processes in place to deal with it in a more uh, structured way, right? Mm. It feels like most of the regulations right now, it's very reactant, uh, reactive and mm -hmm. impulsive. And like quickly, let's deal with this. How do we do this? But 
um, it feels like we can finally start seeing trends, right? Like data privacy has been a trend that has been going on for a long time and will definitely not stop, right? It will only increase in the age of AI, for example. Um, so as, for example, security things, right? Especially when we talk about um, if AI is starting to be used in the military sector, for example, and these kind of things, this is also going to be very tricky. But depending on the industries and depending on um, the pattern of previous regulations, I think we could start seeing patterns and ideally get more prepared for it. Um, I would also say that um, with being like regulatory compliant, start with being ethically on the right side too, right? So if you have like ethical experts in your organization, then you don't have to wait until the law forest comes in. They can mm -hmm. help you already to see blind spots or see potential dangers in the decisions you're making um, up front so you can actually take actions and uh, not be then surprised by the regulations as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd say let's see and let's try to anticipate and predict a little bit better about where the regulatory space is going and then make the right decisions already today and not wait until we have to then react again and pivot. It's always easier to prevent than to clean up things afterwards, right? So um, I always say, let's try to think a little bit longer ahead and not just impulsively make decisions that we might regret later. I love that. Uh, proactive uh, data governance is really something that, uh, honestly, I must admit, I have not contemplated on data governance like that. I have always seen it as a reactive activity. So I'll remember that, Shanghai. I think it's great to think of data governance as something that you can actually do proactively. I mean, I've been doing that, of course, in preparing for GDPR. I remember that we prepared for GDPR thoroughly, but of course. but I haven't I haven't thought about it like that. I, it's a great way of um, of putting it. Thank you. Uh, so Absolutely. so so moving on. Uh, to, to what extent do you think, so this is the Data Democracy podcast, right? And I, I mm -hmm. want to ask you, yes. to what extent do you think your, your music is supporting uh, data democratization? And, and can you share some examples of, of people getting new insights or perspectives uh, of your music? Uh, sure. Um, I would say the first um, thing, how it supports data democratization, is that it breaks the ice and the stereotypes of data people a little. Right. So, I mean, just me, myself showing up as a musician who works in data actually already shows people that data people are more than just data crunchers that sit in front of tables the whole time. Right. Uh, but not only that, by the topics that I'm singing about, for example, that also creates a certain relatability. Right. And um, one other example I did was the Disney songs about data. Right. Where um, you can imagine there's a lot of Disney music fans out there. Um, mm -hmm. And once they see how I related like data challenges or um, data insights to the Disney music, they kind of got a, um, a feeling about how um, ubiquitous maybe certain feelings are uh, when, when you work on data and how they also are relevant in your day to day, right? Like, for example, just a financial analyst, for example, all of a sudden understands a little bit more of why data governance is important because they kind of get that data quality problem, right? Like data quality problems are always there. And as a financial analyst, you deal with it as much with frustration as probably somebody who works in data governance, for example, right? Um, and this is these kind of topics um, that are doing that. Um, I would also say it reduced resistance a lot. So I remember when I just started my data governance journey um, back in Adidas, 
that I tried to communicate in different ways and really use the element of surprise to break the ice. Because when you work in data governance and you try to have uh, conversations with people, people are first very skeptical. But yeah. <laughs> once I started like singing about it, right, and put it also in the internet, then people actually had a different feeling towards it. They were like, oh, he seems kind of fun and that era doesn't seem too bad. Let's have a conversation. Why not? Right. And um, just by reducing the resistance, you finally have also conversations in a much nicer way. And you start actually on a positive note. Um, and lastly, I think it, of course, upskilling and data literacy. Right. So really um, by using humor and music, I try to also have some educational value in there. And if people get more upskilled, then they want to use data also more. And, and that means um, democratizing data really has a purpose there to be available and be used by the people that previously have not used it as much, but they're now mm. basically upskilled and empowered to do so. Oh yeah. That's pretty smart, actually. Like I didn't know that you also used just singing on the on the internet of uh, of Adidas, but of course, I mean, why wouldn't you? That's super smart yes. to that's you're charming your your way into all the offices that would be close to you. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> That's a great description. Yes. Yeah, but it's great. It's great. I love it. It's great. It's just how you should do, approach this, right? I mean, I have been working on various sides of data management, both against and with data governance teams, and I just know the hassle of breaking through those barriers of organizational boundaries where ah departments, they don't have time for data governance. They can't meet this day. They can't meet the week after. And they definitely can't meet in a, exactly. in a month either. And so you can definitely see how the music would open doors like that. It's just wonderful. Okay, so so my last question for you, Chankai, I searched for you, but maybe I didn't search correctly, but when will you yeah. be on Spotify? <laughs> Actually... Um, I'm actually using an artist name on Spotify. That's true. That's oh, why you couldn't great. find me. But the artist name is not too far. So instead of Chiang Kai Feng, it's only Kai Feng. That's only ah. because uh, when I was younger, that was my nickname, Kai, instead of Chiang Kai. So oh, my cool. original music is actually there. Um, all of the parody music is, of course, a little bit difficult because of rights and so on. So I'm only using it here and there. But my originally mm. created music, like Governors of Data or Digital Analytics Anthem, these are songs that are already on Spotify. Everybody can check it out. But what I am looking for, actually, is more opportunities to perform live. So for all the listeners out there, right, if you are interested to maybe have a more fun live performance about data and music about data, um, I'm also ready to go. <laughs> I think uh, I think many yeah, and I definitely want to share that message and support it. I also think uh, some of the Dharma conferences should be open for you uh, in terms of making. They sh we should arrange in the Dharma community like uh, special Chankai sessions just for you to play. Oh music. yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that I love be a that wonderful? Idea. Imagine opening a Dharma conference with that kind of uh, with with you basically as a as not a, as oh, a yeah. keynote but as a key musician. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we should Sounds do like that. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Some someday, someday. Yes. Anyway, Chiang yes. uh, this was a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time for being uh, on the on the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>